Hey, it is L.A. Lloyd. Uh, today is the ninth appearance for Godsmack to co-host The Rock 30. Been a long time since I last spoke to the band. In fact, I had to go back through my uh, notes there. It's 10 years ago, San Antonio during the Mass Chaos Tour with Stain. So <laughs> a little bit of catching wow. up to do today, Sully. Wow, that's that's quite a while ago. We have definitely been through a lot here. Uh, you know, before we start talking about some of the new music, uh, obviously you've done a few uh, tour dates there. It was at the... Uh, MGM Music Hall at Fenway to benefit the Scars Foundation. Uh, and for the listeners today, obviously, you know, I, I've been reading up a little bit about your passion about this, uh, about the Scars Foundation. But for the listeners today who aren't really up to speed, uh, you know, talk about this and why it's been so important to you. Well, the Scars Foundation, I started in, uh, I think it was late 2018 or early 2019. We're still fairly young, but we're doing well. We're growing at a pretty good clip. You know, we've partnered in with some amazing corporations and companies like Best Buy and United Health Services and a lot of the recovery centers. You know, I always wanted to try to give back for all the good that's happened to me, for the success that I've had. I want to make sure that I'm a bit selfless throughout this journey. And I just never could quite figure out what lane I should be in because fortunately for me, I never lost anyone to cancer or AIDS or those kind of important topics. Um, and when I started to realize where my experience was, it really was within being raised on the streets and going through gangs and crime and violence and drugs. And so I started thinking, you know, this is really where I need to put my focus because I may not be uh, a PhD in therapy or in uh, drug addiction and things like that. But I certainly have a lifetime of experience worth of it. And um, I feel like that's even more important than someone who studies it sometimes. Right. So we created the Scars Foundation based on back when I had a uh, relationship with Lady Gaga for a little while. Um, there was just a moment in, in us hanging out where, you know, I'd say I'd say a couple of things or whatever, and I could feel like I triggered her in a certain way and things like that. And it was those little moments that I, I started to kind of have this this little epiphany and i was thinking oh you know this is interesting like sometimes when we strike a nerve with someone our human nature is to just kind of shut down and walk away right and um it was no offense to her or nothing like that like she's a beautiful person and an amazing person but it was more about me just thinking in general like wow i wonder how many people do that i wonder how many people like yeah, I get offended by something or just you hit a nerve with something or something they don't want to talk about. And then what we do is we shut down and we um, dismiss it and, and abandon the, the topic instead of working on it. And of course, throughout the years, losing a lot of friends um, to addiction and suicide, um, I just started to get really tired of losing people to these kind of categories. And so when I developed the Scars Foundation, to not only focus on mental illness, but to focus on all things mental illness, where every charity focuses on one topic, whether it's cancer or AIDS or whatever. We focus on multiple categories. I think we might be the only organization that does this. And we try to think of everything that would funnel people into a depressive state of mind. Right. So whether it's suicide, whether it's, uh, I mean, uh, suicide prevention or um, drug addiction, bullying, PTSD, like there's just so many things that can make people go internal and dark and quiet. And that's usually when the silent killer, as we call it, gets them, right? Yeah. So um, SCARS has been really about that. It's been about a voice um, globally that people can come to. And even if they're not ready to get help yet, we've created a community where they can just come online 
and they can share their stories or they can just simply sit in the background and listen to the stories in hopes that some of these stories will inspire them to come out and tell their story because we believe that once it comes out of the body, the work has started. Right. It's when they're silent and we can't identify it is when we get in trouble. So essentially, I guess what you're saying is almost be proud of your scars. It's okay to, to show them or to talk about it, no matter if it's something you can't see outside or an ailment from PTSD. But basically, scars is just saying, hey, show them, you know, be proud of them. And, you know, it's just a, a life thing that uh, you go through and it, it's okay to talk about it. Yeah, well, we certainly encourage people to just start by listening. And um, when they're ready, we encourage them if they want to talk and share. Um, and it's not so much about them needing to feel proud of them at first, but they'll get there. And once they've accepted that these are their kind of battle wounds from life, right? That that's kind of their badge of honor that they wear, whether it's physical or emotional scars, these are the things that we've overcome in our lives. Mm -hmm. So we may be carrying the weight of it, but once we're able to like voice it, whether it's through a pen and a paper or whether it's verbally, then all of a sudden you start to um, accept it. And when you accept it and you know that this is just a part of you now, then you could start showing it off and wearing it proudly and loudly and letting people know that, you know what, I'm proud to know that I have these scars in my life. I'm proud to know that I lived and that I was able to overcome these things. You know, what doesn't make us, um, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, right? Right. And so it's kind of that whole concept where it's like once – once you're there and you start to accept it, then you're, you're a lot more um, capable of sharing and, and, uh, and not only acknowledging it, but, but feeling confident enough to be able to express it and help others go through their battles. Right. Well, it sounds like a great foundation. I, I'm really glad you had a, the opportunity to kind of get it out there and bring more awareness to it. Um, as I mentioned, it's been a while since I've had a chance to speak with anyone in the band. Uh, next time I'll be seeing you is um, they're doing a little bit of a radio and record convention out in Vegas on September 30th. I mean, obviously, it's a, a show that you guys have uh, on the tour dates, but there's going to be a lot of radio folks out there. And, you know, personally speaking, uh, working with the band since uh, you started uh, late 90s, early 2000s, You've always been very accommodating to the radio folks, and I, I think that you'll see that when you get to talk to a lot of these people that maybe you haven't seen in a few years, but just curious from your standpoint, I mean, do you feel radio is, is something that's still valuable to the band? And, and, you know, I know things have changed, how we put out music, et cetera, et cetera, but I, I've always thought that Godsmack and radio had this really awesome relationship. Oh, my goodness. Well, of course. I mean, it's probably the most important thing. You know, Godsmack throughout the years, never built our success off of being a niche kind of band through MTV and some of these platforms that broke a lot of the pop artists. And we have so much respect for all artists and everything that they do because everyone walks a very similar line in this industry, right? Especially when you're trying to make yourself something in this music industry. But we've, we, we were never that band that had those kind of platforms to, to kind of... Um, shoot us into the stratosphere we we built our career off of radio and touring and so just as you guys have been loyal to us over the years to support us play our music and i would like to think we've helped you guys out along the way um, we also feel very honored and loyal to making sure that we're always there for radio and for the industry 
um, because help this band get to where we are and have the longevity that we've had. Right. You've been very open about the uh, details of your illness with COVID, which uh, pneumonia followed up. And, you know, there's still so many unanswered questions. And I think people, scientists are still trying to figure it out. I mean, obviously, we had our perceptions of what we thought COVID were before it really became a global pandemic. Many of us went through it, uh, many not as, as bad as what you went through, but have your perceptions, you know, changed from the beginning to what you went through and how horrible that was and horrific to what it took on your body? Has your, has your opinion changed towards, you know, how bad this disease was and, and still could be? It definitely earned my respect. Um, you know, I was definitely one of the people that, you know, after so many years goes by and you don't get COVID and they're telling you how highly contagious it is and the whole world's affected, you start to go like, really? Like, am I ever going to get it then? Because I haven't gotten it and like, whatever. Um, and then I got bit by it and, um, it certainly took me down. You know, my, my case was a little bit unique though, because I got, um, tested positive on December 14th last year. And unfortunately, I have an incredible medical team that I've used for over, you know, well over two decades now. And these guys deal with very high level people, you know, Boston Celtics, New England Patriots, like they, they deal with high end athletes and all that. So I trust them immensely with their opinions. But unfortunately, it was during the holiday season and everybody was gone on vacations. Uh-huh. So I kind of had to sit there and suffer through this thing from December 14th, <clears throat> excuse me, until January 3rd, when they all got back to their offices. But I, I really was a bit stubborn as well, because I'm thinking, okay, you know, first four or five days, I'm like, eh, this is COVID, no big deal. What's everyone complaining about? And then six or seven days later, when I lost my taste and my appetite, things started to go downhill. And I found that I was negative at that moment, but I was getting sicker. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, why can't I get better? I have really big lungs. I box, I run, I'm on stage two hours a night. I have huge lungs. You know, my daughter who's been asthmatic her whole life and always had a breathing disorder, you know, she gets COVID and she's, you know, knocks it out in four days. And here I am, you know, 10 days, two weeks, two and a half weeks into it. And I'm not getting better. And I couldn't understand why. Well, by the time I was able to be seen, my doctor, you know, did some uh, x-rays and CAT scans. And he he admitted me immediately because it turned out that I had severe pneumonia in my lungs. Um, but it was because uh, COVID, or at least the earlier strains, were known to um, coagulate your blood, right? Where right. it gets it thicker and it clots up oh, in man. your legs. Yeah. And of course, we're always taught to, to, when you're not feeling well, rest, rest, rest. Oh, just rest. You know, take some time, rest. Hmm. Well, with this stuff, you're not supposed to rest. You, even when you feel like you got to get up and move around. Right. Well, I was on the couch for, you know, 18 days straight with my puppy watching TV and doing everything I could to get from the bed to the couch. And I guess what happened is it, it developed clots in my legs that came through my heart wow. and spackled my lungs. And then once those little vessels in your lungs get blocked up with these blood clots, you start to get inflammation in the lungs and it developed pneumonia. And so that's really what caused some serious problems for me. Um, but luckily, you know, I was strong enough and in shape enough that, you know, he feels that, thank God, I took care of myself over the years because it's probably that that helped me get through it. Right. So, yeah, it's been very challenging. Um, and I learned a lot from it. But I'm the kind of person that I don't sit around. I don't live in fear. You know, I get up and I just move through another day. And I've battled wars my whole life. So this was just another obstacle to get through. 
And um, I'd like to think that I've lived a pretty cool lifestyle. So I'd rather have a better exit than COVID. I hope I have something cooler than that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know when I'm checking out, but right. I just hope it's something a little cooler than COVID. So. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're feeling stronger and, and back out there for the fans. Um, you know, a cycle that you guys have gone through uh, with previous albums, you write, record, put out the album, tour, take a little time off, and the cycle begins again. Obviously, when everything was shut down, uh, you know, and there were some people who still released albums during uh, during the, the lockdowns, if you will, while the tours were not happening. Do you guys ever consider doing that, or do you just feel like it's better just nope. to wait because it, it just those songs would never get to see the light of day, really? Yeah, good luck to all those bands, and let's see how that album did. I, <laughs> I know people were hungry and desperate to get out. They were probably losing their mind you know, in isolation, those kind of things. But when this first started, I don't know why I knew this. I am not an expert in this field by no means. I'm not <laughs> claiming to be. But I just knew at a very early age into COVID, a very early stage, I should say, right. um, that this was going to be a mess for a long time. And we, although we were ready to get back in the studio at that moment, because we were just coming off the Legends album, uh, we had finished our cycle. There was some talk that we were going to go back for a few, you know, a small run again before we really locked ourselves in a studio. But then we were just like, ah, when COVID hit, it's the perfect excuse to kind of go home, rest a little bit and um, take some time off. Yeah. But as all the other bands were like, oh, we're going to get out by the fall of 20 and then they're going to push it to the spring of 21. This I'm going like, yeah, no, this ain't <laughs> going to be that. This is going to be a mess. I mean, it's going to take a while to clean this up. So we just said, you know what, let's just take some time to ourselves. Like we've been grinding since 1995 um and we just felt like why why not why I mean, this is the perfect reason to sit home and enjoy our houses and your girlfriends and your wives and your yeah. kids and your things so we chose to just kind of let the dust settle and then when the band started coming out we thought well maybe it's even more important let them let it let it all come out there let people go see their shine downs and disturbs and whoever they're going to see and we'll just wait that way we're not fighting for that piece of real estate and being competitive, you know, right. I think the fans deserve to see all these bands. And unless we're touring together, what's the point of playing down the street in Milwaukee while Shinedown's playing up the road and they have to toss up between what ticket they're going to buy and things like that, you know? Mm, yeah. makes sense. So, Yeah. Well, um, you know, mentioning your uh, last album when Legends Rise, I mean, this was a great album for you. It went gold. You had four number ones on that album, uh, which uh, I think that's only happened maybe four other times or something like that, according to some of the research I did. But, you know, looking back on this album, obviously it was very successful for you. got uh, great radio airplay. Was this a challenging album, a fun album, an easy one? Or what, what was kind of your take on this album once it was all said and done? Yeah, well, once it's all said and done, I got to tell you, I, I've never been a, a musician like a lot that, that come out and they're like every record that they put out, they're like, this is our best work ever, right? Of course, they're married to it and it's personal to them and they're emotional about it. But I can honestly say throughout my whole career, not all the records we've done, I've never been that guy that said, at once i've always supported my album i always thought it was a good album i felt like there was good material on it there was going to be some good singles but i never once in my life said this is the best record we've ever done and i'm telling you right now this is the best record we've ever done it's been a really really great process to 
take our time, have that leisure, to have that luxury of like being able to work when we wanted to work. We, we, we made an agreement like when we have a song that's worthy, we'll call each other up, we'll get in the studio, we'll work it out, we'll record it. But we're not going to get in there and we're going to grind for four or five, six, seven, eight months like we've always done. Like we're not doing it that way anymore. Right. Um, and because of that, I really feel this is the best work we've done. Not only, not only is it just very hooky and melodic and has everything that would service any level of Godsmack fan, like from the early Godsmack fans to the new Godsmack fans, but it's emotional for us because this may be the last Godsmack record we ever do. And I really feel like it's time to start considering that, that this may be the last body of work people get from us. Um, because we've had a great career. We never wanted to be the band that was on stage when we were 75, 80 years old. Um, God bless those guys that can do that stuff. <laughs> but Tom Hamilton had a quote a long time ago that I read in an article. And I remember he said, you know, music is something I've always wanted to do in my life, but it's not everything I want to do in my life. And I'm like, there it is right there. Right. You know? So this is a very complete album for me. It starts in really walks you through the entire journey of everything I've been through in my career. The band has been through in their career and it goes through the ups and downs of the whole 25, 26, 27 year span, however long it is we've been out now. And um, it's, I think it just feels really satisfying and it feels right to just maybe call this the last one. You know what? I'm not, I'm not saying we're going to split up. I'm not saying we're not going to do live shows. I just don't know if, we're going to do any more new material after this one. Yeah. It's totally. very, very satisfying. You're going out with some great songs. I can't wait to hear the entire album, um, which leads me into my next question. You know, I've had a lot of bands that, uh, you know, talk about doing new songs before album the album comes out. I mean, obviously you're doing a few more dates in the U.S. and you're going over to uh, Europe and the U.K., going to be doing a bunch of dates in October. What's your feelings on, um, you know, doing songs from an album before it's out there? Because, you know, a lot of bands say, look, I, I want the, the fans first... Uh, you know, listen from the way we meant it to be mixed on the album, et cetera, et cetera, instead of someone's phone who's got really a lot of distortion and, you know, it, it kind of might be a turnoff. So what's your feeling on that? Oh, no, 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 no. We would never do that. We've never done that our whole career. That That's a huge rule with us. We do not play anything new unless it's already been um, released. Right. Because okay. otherwise you're just getting a lesser version of the song that we worked very hard on to mix and master exactly the way we want you to hear it and experience it. So no, we would never do that. So, um, I don't, you know, we, we, we haven't played any new material yet. This, this, the, any shows that we've done up until this point have just been kind of like, Hey, we're here, we're back on the map, you know, keep an eye out. We have some new material coming out. Good to see you again. Let's just have a little party and play some songs in the meantime. Yeah. Well, uh, another thing as far as how music has been released, I mean, obviously the traditional way was a single or a couple of singles, and then, you know, the full-length album would come out. Uh, a lot of different genres, including rock now, are kind of starting to follow that path where they may put out three, four singles, then an EP, then a possible album. Uh, you know, I'm old school myself, man. I, I still love that full album to come out, but things have changed and the music industry's changed. How's that affected Godsmack? It hasn't, and it never will. And as a matter of fact, it's one of the reasons why we feel like even with the Atmos technology and all that that's going on right now, we're like, yeah, no, 
not going to do it. And I'll tell you why, because we never did any of our records that way. We mixed to have a great stereo two channel mix. Um, I don't know many people that have 18 speakers in their bedroom surrounding them to be able to get that kind of experience to begin with. Right. But we take great, 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 me especially, great pride in the art of mixing to be able to put on a set of headphones or sit in front of a pair of speakers and be able to have some really cool ear candy in there, some really cool panning effects to really take you down that journey and tell the story of the whole album. We're never going to be that band that like, releases this song and that song and then you know you just put out like an ep part of my pleasure is to be able to create an experience for the listener and that always entails listening to the record from front to back how it's sequenced how it flows how one song goes into the next that is an incredibly big part of my childhood and how i was raised listening to music and how the stories are told so Every Godsmack has that flow from front to back, every Godsmack record. And this one does especially. Um, And to my surprise, when I sequenced it, it actually told a really cool story, a story that I didn't even know was in there, but it really (laughs) made a lot of sense. And what it is, it's, it's just a story of one man's journey through life where, you know, finding love, experiencing, and I, I don't mean just love in a relationship, but I mean love in multiple relationships, whether it's your band, whether it's your parents, whether it's your best friends, whether it's a woman, you know, finding that light and finding that thing that inspires you all the way through the relationship going through its troubles and self-destructing and the betrayal of how relationships can go. And then, of course, just like in any good movie, having it turn around again and you st- start to find a new love, a new appreciation for the things you should be doing, getting back on the road, getting back with your band, tipping your hat to them, telling them thank you for the best of times. And then, of course, the record closes with a song called Lighting Up the Sky, which is just an, uh, kind of a reflection song. Uh, if I could talk to myself as a young version of me, what advice would I give myself? Right. And would I go slower? Would I go faster? Things like that. But in the end would I have any regrets and would I have gotten to where I've gotten if I didn't do it that way? Right. Um, so I really think that the Godsmack fans old or new are going to really, really appreciate this record because even if you don't aren't as deep as a person to want to get into the storylines of everything and how this whole piece tells like a movie, I think they're just going to really enjoy the, the melodies and the grooves and the riffs and just enjoy it for what it is, which is just a really good, solid rock record. Is it a pleasure or a pain really defining that final track list? I mean, because it sounds like to me it's uh, you put so much thought into it, which creating it like chapters of a book. I mean, do you do you really kind of drive yourself crazy sometimes to, to deciding on what the final track listing is going to be? Or do you pretty much, you know, once you kind of have the songs mixed, you kind of feel like you know where they'll go? I certainly have had that problem in the past, but ironically, this one wrote itself. Wow. Like, I didn't plan for it to tell a story. I didn't write the songs in a certain order, nor did I know that they were going to tell the story in the sequence. What I was doing is what I always did, which was like, okay, let me hear the end of the song and the beginning of the song. When I crossfade them, does it have a good flow to it? Does it feel like the right vibe, the right energy? And as I was doing that, I'm like, oh, definitely this song first, definitely that song there, and this one on the last and whatever. And then all of a sudden I was, I'm going, oh my God, this is really telling a story here. It's, and, and we wrote it so 
compartmentized in a way where like we we didn't sit in a studio for eight months and write this record like i said we called each other when we had an idea and we were going to settle for nothing but a great song we wanted to make sure the whole record could be like singles so it was more important about quality than speed right right but when we put it together i was like oh my god this thing really is and then i'm like okay i'm gonna nudge something here and there and like i (laughs) tweaked it after that because i go wow if i really move this to here and there then there's like a story from A to B here. It's like, it's perfect. So I really feel that there was something that passed through us on this record. There's a reason this record needed to come out. Something very universal happened with us. We didn't put a lot of time and thought in that sense into it, but it just came out really special. So I feel like there was a movement happening here that we just had to kind of harness and um and capture on recording well i haven't seen the the full track listing but i have had the opportunity to hear the uh the single surrender so uh where does that one kind of line uh in the storyline of the album as it's going along is it at the beginning or more towards the end or how does this one fit into the whole storyline yeah so it's track number three um and it falls in that sequence because as i said any good movie any good script writer will tell you that there is a format that Hollywood follows, right? right. Not that I was following a movie <laughs> script <laughs> format, but any great story, if you watch any movie, I don't care if it's Batman or horror story, whatever, boy finds girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back. That's yeah. the concept to every movie. Now, girl could mean your career, it could mean your invention, it could mean your, uh, your lover or whatever, right? Um, but it's always that. And then eventually there's a resolution at the end of the movie, even if it means there is no resolution, that's the resolve. And so if it's boy finds girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back, then surrender falls like right before boy loses girl. It's like right in that <laughs> the relationship's starting to suffer and find some problems. The exhaustion of what we go through as humans in those relationships at those times when you just get to the point where you feel defeated and exhausted and you're just waving the flag going, I can't do this anymore. Right. I don't care if you win. Fine. Yeah. You win. Like I'm done. And that's what surrenders about. The white flag is out. Uh, final question today. Uh, I don't know if this has changed over the years and obviously you have had a few uh, dates recently to do some live shows, but uh, out of all the the music you have in your library, is there one that still stands out as, as your favorite to perform live or is it just ever changing uh, depending on the year or the place or the tour? Um, I got to tell you, there's one song on the Horsepower record that I love playing every night. It's a special moment. It's a song that was a single. Unfortunately, we had some complications within our team and our record label at this moment in our career. And I feel like the song kind of got lost to all that and deserved so much more. But it's a song called Something Different. Okay. And it was the second single that we released off the Thousand Horsepower album. And I just love that song. And I feel like that song was really the catalyst of opening the doors for more of the melodic stuff that we did after that mm. post horsepower, like the Legends album, Bulletproofs, Under Your Scars, Unforgettables, those right. kind of songs. And I think this record now has become an extension of that. And we took that and we went even deeper down that rabbit hole. So something different kind of bridged us into When Legends Rise. And I think now Surrender is bridging us into Lighting Up the Sky from the Legends album. 
Wow. Well, that's great. Yeah. Well, Sully, uh, I look forward to seeing you in uh, Vegas here in uh, just a few weeks and uh, seeing the live show. And uh, best of luck with the new single. We'll be playing it a lot here on the Rock 30. And uh, when the new album comes out uh, in 2023, man, glad you're healthy. Good to see you. And uh, always a pleasure, man. Thank you. I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for all the support. Take care, man. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.